spinnies, 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 and then just babies fly everywhere. This is 8-Bit, episode 66, No Time to Be Single, on Sunday, February 16th, 2014, and now, with more, pretty much, I guess, turns out, this episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker, with guest Max Marty, I guess. Oh, Valentine's Day, love is in the air, people are going on dates, and and I was stuck. <laughs> oh, there are worse places to be stuck. This is true, but it was without Sarah. <laughs> yeah. So you were you were at a concert, yeah, playing yep. your little saxophone thing. Yep. 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 And I mean, it, the concert went really well. Thankfully, like I, I actually, I, I didn't suck. Wait, are there times that you do suck? It certainly feels like it. <laughs> Well, stop that. Stop sucking. I, I try not to, and I mean, I, I the joke has been made that because I, I basically play trombone parts, that although I'm a saxophone, I identify as a trombone, and <laughs> the trombone's um, uh, whole mantra is, don't suck, don't suck, trombones don't suck. <laughs> so I try and follow that as close to as I can, but it just it doesn't feel like I can do that all the time, or at least with improv solos. You should tell Jonas that one. Because he plays trombone. <laughs> I might have to. Uh, f- yeah, so for Valentine's Day, I went with Sonya to watch uh, the Lego movie, which was the only movie that was playing at the Morris Theater with its many screens. Uh, it was a pretty good movie. No, we have one. One. Oh, yeah. even better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was a pretty good movie. Um if you if you you know didn't play with Legos as a kid, you're probably not going to get much out of it. But it was it was good and amusing, and um, it wasn't so much like a good versus evil story as it was a different philosophies on how you should play with Legos. Huh. And it was really weird because they were presenting one of them as like the good guy way, and another one as the bad guy way. And uh, I kind of agreed more with the bad guy way. So what was the bad guy way? Uh, follow the instructions. <laughs> I think the evil part was more about super glue. Yes, yes, but like they they definitely did not want to follow instructions at all. You know, it was two extremes of the argument, and I fall somewhere in the middle, closer to the uh, instructions and super glue side. So it was sort of stick it to the man. Stick it, stick it. Yep. <laughs> um, Max, did you do anything special for Valentine's Day? I played Titanfall. And that's about it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this is Max Marty, everybody. He actually went to high school with us, and he goes to college with me, and this is the first time that I've had him on the podcast for some reason. Gosh, I don't like video better. games. Oh, video games are the worst. <laughs> don't play the guy who I, I remember prom senior year. <gasps> oh, my God, you're right. We all, instead of going to prom, we all went over to your house, had a land party, and your mom went and bought us all Chipotle. I actually remember that. Wow. Yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because your mom actually recognized me on campus one time, and it was really weird because I had no idea who she was. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how she remembered me. Um, but yeah, so 
it's kind of funny because we were planning on having you on uh, a long time ago because you're like the only person that I know who has an Ouya, but that never oh, happened yeah. because we all kind of determined individually that the Ouya was probably not worth really talking about at all. Oh. <laughs> but I can see why you think that. Yeah. Do you want Do you want to give us some like good Ouya rants? Well, here's the thing about the Ouya. If you buy it to play Ouya games, you're a fool. It's not meant to play Ouya games. It's meant to play PlayStation 1 games, Clam. Super NES games, Clam Digger. and Clam Digger. <laughs> what is Clam Digger? It's a game about parking your car. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. That's what happens when you have an Ouya. Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> you just kind of start, start uh, questioning everything in your life? Yeah, no, it's just abstract ideas flow into you. <laughs> Welcome also, to the Indieverse. Streaming media. Welcome to the Indieverse, my friend, where nothing makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't suppose you tried out, um, what was it, Towerfall? I have the demo. I played it with myself for like 15 minutes, but <laughs> I've never gotten grouped together, which is why you should play that game. Because, yeah, that's, I hear that that's like the killer app for Ouya, but it's coming to PC and like the PS4. Actually, it might already be out. What's it called? So, uh, Towerfall. It's it's exactly like Titanfall, <laughs> except that it's a a, a 2D platformer. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Um, it's nothing like Titanfall. Multi multiplayer Titanfall. fighter. Huh. Seemed pretty neat. I just never got into it. Well, that's pretty neat. Well, since this is your your first time on the podcast, uh, you're going to have to go through the grueling interview. So it's rigorous beyond all reason. Oh God, there are so many questions. So first, <laughs> first question: How did you get into video games? Well, let's, how did I get into video games? At one point, I think every child wants a video game. So I think a better question would be, like, what was my first video game experience, you know? Yeah, A shady yeah. man offered you something in the back alley. A man once gave me a video game in a small bag. The hair kid, don't let him catch you with this. And I scurried <laughs> off in the urban jungle and found something to play it on. Just kidding. Actually, my first video game that I ever owned was Wheel of Fortune for the Game Boy. Wow, that sounds yep. like quality. And I got a Game Boy Pocket off one of my elder, like, kindergarten friends for $14. Game Boy Pocket, good shit. Uh, mm -hmm. Played Wheel of Fortune, eventually got Pokemon Yellow, and that was kind of like the first big video game I played. Pokemon Yellow is a great game. Alright, so... Actually, I have no idea what the answer to this will be. What is your favorite genre? Genre? Uh, that's a tough one. I. It's not a question of favorite genre, but of what typifies its genre so as to elevate the whole concept. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is sometimes I like shooting games, but sometimes I like games that don't have guns in them. And sometimes I like both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to explain that last one to me. I was just thinking, like earlier, I was playing a uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Okay. I got the director's cut version of that. And okay, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah. There are guns, was, but shooting people is a terrible <laughs> idea. Depends on your playstyle. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with killing people. I think I messed that up at the first level when I wasn't really paying attention. But I always try to get the ghost like achievement thing where no one sees you. Well, also, from what I've heard, is uh, it really was not built with, you know, being a first-person shooter in mind. Oh, no. So it's a quite difficult, But you actually. can play it like one. Right. I've done it before. Okay. 
so what is your favorite game of all time? That one's easy. It's actually two games, but it's one game. It's the Golden Sun series for the Game Boy Advance. Hmm. What was... I've never heard of that. Well, it's two games that came out near the middle to the end of the Game Boy Advance's life cycle, and they're pretty traditional-styled RPGs, turn-based, overworld, all that stuff. But they do some really unique things, and just the the graphics were the best on the Game Boy, like, hands down. (laughs) And, I mean, that sounds dumb, but, like, it was pretty impressive. So they just had a really good, like, long story that needed two games to finish, and just really solid all around, and I, I really enjoyed those back hmm. in the day. And I actually did pick up the uh, the DS version that came out a couple of years ago. Oh. So I'm playing through that. It's decidedly less good, but it still has some elements I enjoy. Might have to go and find a ROM for that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Because, I mean, I have the emulator. Time to find a ROM. All right, uh, complete and total other end of the spectrum. What is the game that you hate the most, and or what game do you regret buying the most? Let's. I don't recall off the top of my head any games I just despise, but I've definitely had games where I buy them and then I just regret it because I have not played them ever. So <laughs> I buy a sixty dollar game and they're like, oh, what's this? I just don't. I just haven't played this game in the two years I had it, or something like that. Don't eat the soap. Let me just look through my. Uh, Steam thing here. I'm sure there's a ton there. The best is like when it's a game like I don't know, Crisis. Uh-huh. You know, and you like you like buy it at launch and then don't have time to play it for a really long time. <laughs> but until, if it's like, Crisis, you come back to it and the graphics still look just as good as well, modern day games. But then like, what if you come back to it on your next computer? You know, and like the point of buying it at the time was, can my computer run it? <laughs> I don't know. Can it? Of course it can. Find anything uh, that sticks out at you, Max? Ah, not seeing anything. Oh, all right. I, I, there's stuff out there. If I remember it, I'll bring it up. I don't suppose you uh, you bought Duke Nukem Forever. I did not. Okay. So that wouldn't that wouldn't be a possibility. No. <laughs> yeah. I might even say most regretted decision buying Battlefield Three. Mm. See, that I don't hate that game by any means. I like that game a lot. But I bought it at launch because I was super hyped. I played like over 200 hours of Bad Company 2, and I got Battlefield 3, played it for like three days straight, and just never <laughs> picked it up again. So Max Marty, giving the most obnoxiously interesting answer to the interview out of any guest that I think we've ever that, had. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even begrudge you the fact that you like changed all of the questions. <laughs> That was amazing. Um, so we'll talk more about the Titanfall beta after the headline section. So let's jump into those. All right. Um, so many people know one of my favorite games to play is League of Legends. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Thank you, Ryan. Hold on a moment. If you are listening to this but you're not on the website, uh, you might be wondering where you can find all the links. And the links are going to be at thenexus.tv slash eb66. That's where all mm-hmm. the show notes are. Mm-hmm. Continue. All right. So, League of Legends. Um, you know that they've, or at least for the past few months, have been coming out with some rather silly gameplay styles. So there was, uh, before winter break, they had all for one, where it was five people on one team, and um, uh, all five people played the exact same character. <laughs> um, that, that's where we got the episode five chess lasers at once. Um, then there was also... Uh, after that one, there was a 1v1 or a 2v2 duel thing where you had to go and complete one of a couple of different objectives. Now, 
Riot has come out with something called the Hexakill mode, which it's in many ways it's kind of the most boring concept that they've had so far, but at the same time one of the most interesting and more um, I guess diverse ones um, in simply that it adds an extra person to the game mode. You play with six people on a team instead of five people. Is it still on like the same uh same map? Same map? Okay. Interesting. So I don't know exactly how that's gonna work. It might be That's gonna completely change the metagame. Yes. With the six it's people. Not gonna change. Uh well anything is to see in team fights. Yeah. 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 Team fights tend to be a bit of a CF. Doesn't matter how many people you have. <laughs> Charlie Foxtrot you know what else is a Charlie Foxtrot? Flappy Bird. Yeah. But not really anymore because, uh, you know, he, he took it off of the stores. Uh, and because of that, the rule of scarcity took effect really, really quickly. Uh, so people immediately started putting phones with it uh, installed up on sale on eBay for, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I haven't... Ugh, like, why would you buy that? Why, would you, why wouldn't you save your, your phone for like a few years maybe, until there actually aren't many phones with Flappy Birds on them. But because the hype wouldn't be nearly as big. That's true. Yeah, people are going to forget about this next week. That, yeah. Pretty much. I agree. <laughs> but while everybody's thinking about it, we can still talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so also, the, the game's creator, he, he now says that he pulled it because it was too addicting, but I'm pretty sure that he pulled it just because he didn't want all the attention. Pretty much. That's because that's what pretty much what he was saying before he pulled it down, uh, and then suddenly changing the story. That's that that doesn't seem like uh, it's true. No, pretty much. That's kind of our catchphrase for this show, isn't it? What? Pretty much. Pretty much. I guess. Turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, meow. <laughs> Love that one. Um, but you know who who isn't stopping thinking about Flappy Birds, uh, there's a bunch of uh, game creators who have kind of banded together to create a game jam uh, about the concept of making Flappy Bird-inspired games. So there's just a ton of Flappy Bird clones on there, and they're not even, like, trying to pretend that they're not. Uh, my favorite is from Terry Cavanaugh, who's the creator of Super Hexagon and VVVVVV, because uh, it's like, it, it takes it and just puts it into the aesthetics of Super Hexagon, and I tried it. It's pretty. It's pretty uh, challenging. I I haven't played the original Flappy Bird though, so I can't really compare it. Yeah, I I played a little bit of the the original one. Um, and I mean, oh god, I just went to the website. They have one called Fallopian Bird. Oh dear. <laughs> Ian, tell us about the one that you found. The one that I much prefer to that is called Flappy Bird. Where it's, um, well, pretty much the exact same thing, except for it's Bert from Sesame Street being carried around by a bird. And every time he goes through one of the pipes successfully, he goes like, <laughs> laugh. And then um, when you whenever die. you hit a pipe, it's just Ernie or something like that. It's really obnoxious. Oh, God, yes, it's great. As this whole game is meant to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's on, like, the official Ernie. Sesame Street website. Like, this yeah. wasn't just some random person who made it. Yes. Ugh, man. Sesame Street, teaching children the, the values of piracy. <laughs> All right. It's, it's not piracy if it's done out of love. <laughs> Surprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> pirates like that booty. You're a damn butt pirate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 
Um, so speaking of other things that are made with love because of something else that has happened, uh, one of my favorite things that I've seen around the internet is something called Man-at-Arms. He's um, There's this blacksmith, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, who releases videos where he makes for the viewers to see um, various weapons from popular games and cartoons and movies and whatnot. And the most recent one that he did was the Halo Energy Sword. Okay, so does it actually glow? It does not glow. It was heat-treated so that it's blue. Okay. Blue and purple, but it doesn't glow, and it um, it just doesn't really look like it would work very well as a, as well, a sword, because when they no. push it forward... I mean, because it, it's metal, so the, the, the blades will wobble, 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 wobble. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my hands right now because that's sort of what they do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of wish that they had, like, I don't know, made it out of glass or something and then, like, put some lights in one end so that it just lit up. But obviously that would not also not be effective as a sword because it would break. You couldn't stab anyone except one time you could. <laughs> and it would be dang sharp. Yeah. Because oh, glass man. is... Actually, glass is stupidly hard. It's just stupidly brittle. That's why it shatters. So yeah, go check out that video. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so the PS the the PS Vita Slim will indeed be coming to North America. Before now, we knew that it was coming to uh, I think the UK and maybe Europe. Um, but now we know that it's coming to North America, and it is being bundled with Borderlands 2 and all of the DLCs that were created for the Vita version of that game. Uh, and so that bundle altogether is two hundred dollars. I don't know if they're selling it like individually without the Borderlands 2 thing, um, but, you know, only time will tell, I guess. That actually sounds like a pretty dang good deal. Yeah, if I had a reason to buy a PS Vita. That would be I mean, hard. hey, we've already got Borderlands 2. Yeah. Borderlands! Exactly. <laughs> Alright, um, so, well, you're not buying a PS Vita. Uh, okay, you know, screw that segue, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. Alright, uh, so you guys heard me talk earlier about, um, League of Legends, which is one of the most popular worldwide games, um, and is quickly becoming one of the, well, is probably the best known esport that there is, except for maybe StarCraft. Mm, StarCraft. Um, uh, so if you guys know them in any of the esports world, then you've probably heard of someone by the name of Gfinity. Um, they go and they sponsor various game tournaments, and they have, they actually have signups for various tournaments right now, specifically for Dota 2, StarCraft 2, and Counter-Strike Go. Um, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Um, and it doesn't cost anything to sign up for the tournaments. However, if you do want to sign up, get your team together now because the sign-ups do close, um, well, Monday, so tomorrow, <laughs> I guess. Actually, probably after our listeners listen. Yeah. Chances are. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, uh, Monday at uh, 1700 GMT. Which one's G? Um, Greenwich Mean Time. Oh, okay. So that's I don't even know how to uh, how to convert that into like Central Standard. I think it's we're plus six. Yeah, plus six. Yep. Really? That's it? Yeah, because Central Time Zone is minus six. Let's see. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's right. When I was over in um, there's an hour difference, and I was when I was over in Germany. So it'll be at eleven o'clock tomorrow morning. Ha, yeah, no. Um, Sorry about that, guys. Oh, wait, it says tomorrow at 5 p.m. What the heck? I'm sure that our listeners can figure it out if they want to go and sign up. Yeah. 
But do it quick. You don't have much time. So, apparently, there's that goat simulator game that's happening now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually going to be, like, a game game, not just, a, like, a joke video. I mean, to make the video, they had some, had some kind of a game, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So, but... like, they can just release that. But they're actually working on it as a full game of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> and we DJ has started up. wearing a goat costume to work. He's so excited about this game. John... <laughs> John... Bartku from Valve. <laughs> Facts. Bro, are you serious? Yes. When is the release date? We don't have an exact release date yet. All we have for now is spring 2014. However, when we have an exact release date, we'll announce it and post it here. Will there be multiplayer? Oh, God. Sadly, there will be no multiplayer. We are using NVIDIA Physics and Apex for our in-game physics, which gives us amazing and realistic physics but it would synchronize terribly in multiplayer. With multiplayer, we'd have to remove 90% of the physics, all destructible objects, and a lot of our favorite features. Yeah, that probably means that not be the same game at all. No. It probably means they'd have to get rid of the crazy tongue and the, the neck that flops, flip-flops everywhere. <laughs> they should just recreate uh, Red Faction with the goats, where goats just destroy things, and there's, like, amazing physics. Of everything <laughs> <around>. <laughs> Well, it says, actually, I question, I have an idea. Add open world and police and animal control and spaceships, dot, dot, dot. Answer, Goat Simulator was made as a small game jam game, and that's how we want to keep it. We will polish the game up, but keep the funny bugs, of course. But we want to keep the core gameplay small and silly. Hopefully the game can make you laugh for an hour or something. We are, however, working on Steam Workshop support so people can edit in their own levels of the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. All right. Uh, hey, look, that's me. Hey. All right. Um, so I don't know why, but I seem to always report on the legal issues that come up in the video game world. Um, and the next one that I'm going to talk about isn't necessarily specifically video games, but it's something that we like here on 8-Bit a lot and generally helps a lot of video games. So Kickstarter, everybody knows Kickstarter, the fantastic thing that lets everybody crowdsource their cooler projects. And get um, awesome things like Ouya's. Ooh yeah. You know, half the um, time the TV doesn't like the Ouya doesn't turn on its sound fast enough to display that full intro sequence. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Um. That being said, apparently on this past Wednesday night, um, Kickstarter was hacked and was able to gain some access to the uh to data. So, um. There were some hackers that were able to get in. Thankfully, no credit card data of any kind was accessed by the hackers. Um, uh, however, uh, there were usernames, email addresses, mailing addresses, phone numbers, and encrypted passwords that were taken. So that might be a little bit dangerous. Everyone's or Kickstarter is bugging everyone to go on and change their password with good reason. So I'll probably do that after the after the show. Yep. And, I mean, something that I like about them is they actually posted a big apology for it, too. It's not just, oh, this happened, we're dealing with it as quickly as we can. It's, we're incredibly sorry that this happened. We set a very high bar for how we serve our community, and this incident is frustrating and upsetting. We have since improved our security procedures and systems in numerous ways, and we will continue to do so in the weeks and months to come. So, they're working on it. They're going to not let it happen again. So, if you want to back something on Kickstarter, you kind of need money. And if you're a kid, now I don't know where I'm going with this one either. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the issue of you know kids buying 
games and in-game items without their parents' knowledge, specifically, you know, on, like, iOS or whatever. Um, and a company called Oink is aiming to fix that with what is essentially a PayPal for kids. Um, they, they're, uh, so their parents will set up an account for them and give them, like, a monthly allowance or that sort of thing, and they can control, you know, what vendors their children are allowed to buy from, and then, you know, the, the kids can just go to town with whatever, uh, whatever they want to buy that their parents have approved. So, you know, this way the kids don't have to come to the parents every single time that they, you know, want to, like, make a three-cent purchase in a thing, and then the parents don't have to give them access to their credit cards directly, and it's a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's great. Oh, God. What? So, I still had the, um, uh, the, the link to the uh, Flappy Bird Jam up, and so I clicked on Fallopian Bird just for and giggles. Great. And whenever whenever you miss and you hit a tube as the sperm, what happens is one of those little cartoon splat bubbles comes up that says babies, and then just babies fly everywhere. <laughs> Great. Babies! Oh. <laughs> All the babies. <sighs> Welcome to my life. Alright. Um, where are we? Oh, this one. Oh, shush. Stop playing games and start talking about games. Talking about the game that has me, that I don't know what I want to do just because it looks fantastically scary and yet at the same time, well, fantastically scary. I don't usually do horror games, but it's made by Bethesda and the guy who did um, Resident, uh, Evil. Resident Evil. So The Evil Within finally has a release day set, and believe it or not, it is going to be on my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. And that's somewhere around your birthday, because that's late August. Yep. August 26th, 2014 is when the game comes out. I was born on the 23rd. Nice. I don't know if I want to get you that for your birthday or not. I I don't know either, just because it's... Because you seem scared out of your mind about it. (laughs) And at the same time, I want it. Yeah. I don't know. Is that how you approach relationships? Not... Really? Not anymore? That's, that's probably good. That's that's a good thing, I'd say. Yeah, definitely not anymore. No, it's just... Well, I mean, hey, I'm, I have one, so I, I don't need to worry about that anymore. Good. Glad you feel that way. And I'm not planning on letting her go anytime soon, seeing as... I think I told you this. <laughs> Since Valentine's Day has come and gone and there's no time left for her to be single for it, you, you might as well just stick with it. I know, right? <laughs> Well, like, I, I think I told you this, when she left, when, no, when we left the house after, or no, at the end of winter break to come back to Gustavus, mm-hmm. um, my little brother called after her, or after us, don't lose her, bro, we want her as a sister-in-law. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I know brilliant. my family likes her. <laughs> Younger siblings have such tact. Isn't that right, Max? I would know a lot about this, mm-hmm. considering that I have no siblings. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, who wants to talk about crazy internet experiments? Oh, I I want to I talk do, about I that. do, I do, I do, I do. All right, so there is this Twitch channel that a programmer in Australia has rigged up to play Pokemon Red version via the in the in browser chat window. So you type whatever command you want done, and it'll try to perform that action. But seeing as there's thousands and thousands of viewers currently on this stream trying to get Pokemon to do something, <laughs> nothing is getting done. <laughs> and the more people that hear about it, the less gets done. So, so we're contributing to the problem. It's a catch-22. 
You can't talk about this. You can't talk about Fight Club. You can't talk about Pokemon <laughs> Club on Twitch, or else you're not going to get any Pokemon trained. Apparently, they've managed to beat Misty. And I, I haven't heard anything since that, and that was a couple days ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, someone just tried to use a Firestone on a Pidgeot. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It's uh, it's a group effort, for sure. <laughs> I mean, they have an Eevee, so a Firestone would actually do something, but still. Yeah. All right. So I <laughs> and and so thanks to Savannah for pointing this out to us because I almost missed this story and then she uh, yelled at me and made sure that I was going to put it into the show notes. Hmm. Yes, thank you, Savannah, so that we can watch all the people on the internet fail, mm-hmm. such fail. Lubrication. I was a little late on that one, but not late for Max. Uh huh. Max has lubricated himself. Oh my God, oh, shut up and talk about the next thing. <laughs> All right, so I believe we talked about this last week, right? The Double Fine Amnesia Fortnite? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the winners were announced uh, just a couple days ago. So we have um, Tim, or Tim Schaefer tweeted on the 13th of February, um, at Buena the Bears, Little Pink Best Buds, Burnhelm's Steed, Double Anna's Dear Leader, and DF Mnemonic's Mnemonic. Congrats, y'all. Um, so if you go to the uh, link that we provided, you'll actually be able to watch pitch videos for all three of those games. Um, uh, yeah, actually, let's, sorry, let's watch. Fair. Let's watch the uh, first three because those are thirty seconds each. Yeah. Um, so do 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 There we go. Add videos to playlist. Hi, I'm John, and I want to make an open world action game with a different breed of hero. No, not that guy. This one down here. In Steed, you play as a horse for hire, saddled with the job of picking up bumbling heroes, hoofing them across a storybook landscape, and ensuring they don't die on their quests. You'll form a special bond with an awkward stable boy, uncover a dark plot, and together you'll break free from the reins of a corrupt order. Steed aims to turn the hero with a horse trope on its head, with a charming double-fine take on a classic partnership. In Dear Leader, you play a despotic ruler of a republic just emerged from revolution. The game will have you making decisions to industrialize, censor the press, execute ministers you mistrust, and of course, see to you and yours. It's a political satire inspired by Dr. Strangelove, games like Papers, Please and Cart Life, and the visual style of early Soviet propaganda. The story of your republic will emerge based on the decisions you make. And remember, you cannot make a revolution with silk gloves. Mnemonic is a surreal first-person adventure where you explore and rearrange memories. In Mnemonic, behind each door is a memory, and you begin this surreal first-person adventure facing only one, the death of the woman you loved. Environmental storytelling in the vein of Gone Home is combined with a unique inventory system. Collect objects of any scale, characters, or sounds, and then creatively apply them to puzzles, unlock memories, and ultimately reveal the truth. And then um, Little Pink Best Buds is the one that won the the pitch from Pendleton Ward that won. Uh, he's the creator of Adventure Time and uh, Bravest Warriors. And, Bravest Warriors! <laughs> um, so in that game, there's gonna be some sort of like you'll you'll find all these little pink guys in a field, and like you can like move around and talk to them and stuff, and they all want to be your best friend, and then. Eventually, like, they'll each have some, some trait about them, like, one of them will have a lar- very large foot, and one of them will have, like, a dog, and some of them will be dead, and, 
Uh, and then you pick one of them to be your best bud, and then that little pink best bud will move into the house that's in on the field, and he'll make you dinner and stuff, and then all the other pink guys, I guess, get jealous, and something happens, and uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in that game, but we'll see. Huh. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> I think it's really funny that you took that story, uh, when I'm pretty sure that I'm the one who uh, actually went and contributed money to that. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Um, so, Steam's doing stuff again. They're introducing more features instead of uh, making Half-Life 3. So, have you ever, like, gone to the Steam store and just kind of been overwhelmed by, like, all of the new games that there are and you don't know what any of them are about or, you know, whether you should even, like, give them any attention? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in order to help this this problem, Valve has started a, a user tagging system so where you can go you know, to a game's store page and you can give it tags that you think fit with it. Um, and then you can you know, manly, manually sort by any of those tags and Steam will use the games that you play and that you have tagged to kind of recommend games to you that people have tagged similarly to your own games and uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's, you know, it seems like an, an idea that's coming from a good place. Unfortunately, people predictably started abusing the feature by, you know, posting offensive tags and spoilers and stuff that in general isn't helpful. Well, so in order to remedy this, uh, Valve has introduced the ability for people to report tags that are inappropriate for some reason. Um, and obviously, like, only the most popular, the most often used tags for a particular game, like, you know, are the ones that show up on the, on the page. Um, and on, on the first day, like, there were some things like, uh, well, I won't go into, you know, specifics, but, you know, there, there was some pretty terrible stuff. And since then, like, the legitimate tags have kind of eclipsed those and become, you know, the top ones on the list. So, it has actually kind of remedied itself. Um, and I hope that, you know, that kind of thing doesn't, doesn't continue happening for, uh, for like new games that get put, put up. I mean, there's the didn't just delete all of the bad tags. Um, well, but they have to be able to find the bad tags, which is what the, you know, uh, reporting system is for. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you have to consider that Valve is a relatively small company. And, you know, with all of the new features that they're adding and everything, they can't like police it all. Easily anymore. Not no more, especially with how big they've become. Yeah. All right. Well, with what they're not policing, or they don't really have to worry about too too much because um, there is a lot of user-generated content, which I suppose actually requires more policing. So I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, but one of the cooler green light things uh, that's come out that I've heard about is called Aperture Tag, where instead of using a portal gun for the portal games, you use a paint gun. Um, and actually, if you guys would let me, there is uh, a minute 20 video that I could throw up. Sure. Uh, is this thing on? It's on? Hello, and welcome to Aperture Tag, the paint gun testing initiative. As a test participant, you will be required to perform simple tasks such as locating an exit, opening the exit, and reaching the exit. Here is a real-life example. So that was a nice song that everybody just got to listen to. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so basically what, what it did was, uh, instead of shooting blue and orange portals, 
that you get to, you know, squirt out blue gel or orange gel, uh, you know, both of which are from the actual game, uh, but normally you don't have the opportunity to just put it wherever you want to. Um, yeah. I do remember a a mod, well, not not like a mod, but, you know, a, a user-created set of uh, maps where they, they had... Uh, a, a paint gun, sort of, um, but I think you could only do one type of gel at a time, and the the paint gun was literally just the the model of like a a, a stocking cap from the game, <laughs> kind of put on its side, and it squirted stuff out of the stocking cap. Hmm. It was hilarious. There's two things that I noticed about that video. One, how the heck do you figure that out? Like it seemed like they were doing things that were not obvious in any way. Like, I get the jumping and bouncing and stuff. At one point, there's, like, a backwards jump off a wall, like, on another thing. It seems totally crazy. Well, I guess, uh, hopefully, like, they'll kind of ease you into it. Because, like, when when you first see Portal, if you, like, watch any of the the maps from, the like, the middle of the game or the, later in the game, that will look just like magic. And you'll be like, how the heck did they know where to put those portals? But okay. if you get the entire game up to that point, then you're like, oh, yeah, that was obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's you're no longer thinking with portals. You are now thinking with paint. Yeah. So it it's just yeah, it's training your mind to see those things. The second the second thing I was gonna say is I was kind of disappointed. It wasn't more like a jet grind radio. What? Hmm? You know the Dreamcast game about uh, rollerblading and tagging balls. Nope. No. Oh, it was a classic. You guys should play that. Yeah. Well, I had like Windows ME until. You know, 2003 or so. They might have released a PC. They released some PC ports of some old Sega games. That might have been one of them. Mm-hmm. If it was, I definitely recommend picking it up. <laughs> oh, I have the next one. Wow. Hey yo. All right. So, have you guys heard of Rust? I assume you have. Yep. Nope. Absolutely not. It's the one where people shoot him in the face. <laughs> so Borderlands. Yep. <laughs> well, apparently they added anti-cheating software to the sandbox game. And it's fans of people, about 4,500. However, there is over, like, a million people playing this game. I guess that's what I read. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's less than a percent of people that got banned. And I'm I'm sure that, that it didn't catch everybody who is cheating. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, Though I'm glad that they're... Escalate. Yeah, now, now it just became an arms race, didn't it? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, actors are one of the most annoying things in the world. I remember playing a game of Team Fortress 2, where there was this engineer that just ran faster than anyone else who was there, and then he dropped a bunch of mini turrets behind him. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a line of mini turrets. It's it's just like, okay, this isn't even fun anymore. (laughs) Oh, man, that sounds like Isaiah's tactic in Medal of Honor... um... Was it Allied Assault? The grenade? No. Yeah, he would just run backwards, dropping grenades behind him as he went, and wait for people to run over his grenades. <laughs> and we we were so bad at, like, figuring out where he was that we would accidentally just, like, run over his grenades and get killed. Sounds like a great strategy. Because, I mean, yeah. hey, it worked. <laughs> All right. Well, as you just said there, PC games aren't the only kind of games that we play, and, hey, video games aren't the only kind of games that we play. Um, however, uh, 
video game based board games generally tend to be pretty cool and this one looks to be no different so there was um, or there is it hasn't been released yet um, a board game that is based on Assassin's Creed called Assassin's Creed Arena um, so it looks like because the article that we had um, just talked about it briefly and then there's a blog that shares sort of a general overview of um, all of the rules so you draw a card and those cards give you actions um, then you have three basic options um, after that after you draw that card you can move hide or attack um, and you can uh, spend those cards to do those abilities um, and there's treasures that you have to go and try and pick up uh, there's there's three different areas there's the outer two outer rims of the map there's an inner circle and then there's the very center square um, and what you have to do is find some way to avoid the line of sight of the guards hmm. if you're doing anything. Um, and that Just is, hit whatever button is blend. You'll be good. <laughs> so high. Yeah. But you have to go and collect these treasures and then make it back to your safe without being killed by either one of the guards or by one of the other assassins. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I know, right? Uh in order to earn points for those, and the first one up to what are called victory points, the first one up to 15 victory points wins. Interesting. So, sounds like it has a bunch of really fun mechanics. Sounds like it'd be an interesting game to play. I don't have the money to blow on it because it's $50. Um, but go but pick it up. That maybe somewhere. Cool. Yeah, sometime in the future, maybe. Find it at the source on Free <laughs> Comic Book Day? Yeah, do it. Of course, last time we bought a board game at Free Comic Book Day, uh, it was, you know, Conquest of the Empire, and we've managed to get through exactly, like, two halves of a game. We've never actually completed a game of that. Just because it's a long, long, long game. Yeah. We need to try for that. We should have played that instead of uh, Axis and Allies. Yeah. Though... At New, at New Year's, yeah. Busting open my Axis and Allies was kind of nice. Yeah. And I mean, hey, I won, so I'm definitely happy with it. Oh, poop on you. <laughs> I blame Russia. Russia didn't pull their weight. They all died. Yeah, 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 that's what Russian does. Ugh. That's what Russia does. So, Max, let's talk about the Titanfall beta. Yes. That's, that's super exciting. That, let me tell you a story about how I approached this beta. So, I, I applied for it on Tuesday. Uh-huh. And Friday morning, I wake up. Roll over, grab my phone. I have my code. I skip my classes, <laughs> and uh, 15 hours later, Titanfall. Here I am. Nice. So that's quite a bit more than the like 45 minutes that I played uh, this evening. <laughs> and actually, I, I wouldn't have played any of it at all if they hadn't opened up the beta to everybody, because yeah. I didn't get I didn't get into the closed beta. Um, so I don't I don't know how much of Titanfall we've talked about on this show specifically. So let's give let's give everybody kind of the rundown of what it is uh, and where it came from. Um, so Titanfall is the first game from Respawn Entertainment, and Respawn is the company that was formed by the the founders of uh, Infinity Ward. So they they were the creators of Call of Duty back when it was good, and then they and uh, Activision kind of started suing each other, and they left, and then they made Titanfall. Yep. And it's currently an Xbox One and PC exclusive. Mm-hmm. So some people are mad about that, but uh, it makes sense to others. Isn't it coming to the 360? 
Yep, someone's porting it to 360. Oh, okay. So that doesn't really count. Okay. So that's that's uh, to be expected from a, a small studio trying to get back at their old bosses. Yeah. Like they're picking some sides that are allied against, maybe not the Microsoft decision, but definitely going with EA. Yeah. To fight Activision at their own game. So, of course, one of the effects of that is that it's uh, only going to be on Origin, yep. much much like the Mass Effect and Battlefield 4. Which is surprisingly not as bad as it used to be. It's not yeah. as just awful. It actually breaks the internet and multiplies your download speeds past what they really should be. <laughs> I swear they're paying someone illegally for this. And, like, I got 22 megabytes a second. And I only pay for 20 megabit internet. Huh. <laughs> That's amazing. But that shouldn't be happening. But it happened, and I got it in like 30 minutes. Huh. Wow. Of course, yeah, you, you live off campus. It yep. took it took uh, a matter of like three minutes to download it here. Three minutes. It's like 12 gigabytes. Like yeah, it was ridiculous. I didn't even Sorry. I didn't even have time to look at how big the download was, and I was like, oh, that's that's actually going pretty fast. All right, I just won't worry about it. So however they're however they're doing that, people need to steal it. <laughs> but anyway, I heard they're going to actually have a Twitch streaming integrated into Origin now. I saw that on the. Front. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. So but, check that out. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I already have it integrated into my graphics card, so. Okay, so you're fine. Yeah, I'm there. fine. Um, but yeah, so Titanfall. Um, kind of, they've, they've mashed together a lot of different concepts from a lot of different genres for this one, actually. Oh, yeah, they really kind of made a best, greatest hits of game mechanics, I'll call it. <laughs> That's they've pretty got, high praise. Yeah, I mean, I am really enjoying this game. I mean, let's just give a basic overview, top down. Mm-hmm. In the beta, you've got three modes are letting you play. The attrition mode, which is the classic score points and build up, like, it's- Kind of a team deathmatch, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Team deathmatch with a little bit of a twist. Mm-hmm. But basically the same. They've got uh, hard point, which is kind of your battlefield type. Control these points to win points. And then you've got last titan stand, which is everyone starts in a titan, and the last titan up, that team wins. Even if the pilots aren't dead, the titans don't matter. Hmm. Interesting. And I've played a few games of uh, both the hard point and last titan standing. But I really just keep going back to attrition. That's just classic gameplay. You're not being forced to consider anything other than your own survival and success. Mm-hmm. Except maybe less Titan standing. It's a bit more tactical. I think that would be my choice over hard point. Simply because you, you don't often get those five on or six on six Titan bets. <laughs> so in last Titan standing, everybody starts off in their Titan, right? Yeah. You okay. drop in in the Titan. Cool. <laughs> and right uh, off the bat, it's a, a mess. <laughs> so in, in attrition, they, they've kind of blended uh, a few concepts from MOBAs into a first-person shooter because they have, you know, a lot of, a bunch of grunts, you know, NPCs uh, just running around. They're super easy to kill. Um, so they, you know, those kind of work like the minions in a MOBA. Um, and I think, let's see, for, for attrition points, you get like one per grunt that you kill. Yep. And, and then uh, other players, pilots that you kill, those are worth like... Four? Four, yeah. Four points. Titans may be worth a bit more, I'm not sure. I think I think Titans are five. I remember hearing that number yeah. somewhere. Anyway, um, it's it's a small point system building up to two fifty to win. Okay. Um and it's not exactly like, you know, a MOBA because you can't just like 
go jungling. Like, you can't just go yeah. looking for, you know, avoiding all the players and look for NPCs to kill, because you, you'll probably come across another player at some point. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like you take the minions from any kind of mobile. I've actually, I'd actually thought of that earlier. I thought it was a pretty neat idea. And you combine that with just the, like, roaming high-level people. So if you're running around seeing a lot of grunts, you're like, okay, I'm killing these guys, whatever. And then out of nowhere, some guy just jetpacks into the window. You're like, oh, crap. Now it's like <laughs> an actual fight. So you have to completely change your strategy, adapt on the fly. If you're, like, reloading, take that trade-off. Like, are you likely to get ambushed right now if you start reloading or start shooting? And then if you shoot, you're on the map, obviously. So that just draws people to you. Mm-hmm. So killing the grunts really has a cost-benefit thing going on. Hmm. Um, so I... I haven't really gotten very good at the the whole wall running thing uh, yet. I I think I, I still need to train my brain more to you know see the pattern, see the pathways that they've obviously set up on the maps, you know, for you to follow. Um, you know, kind of the way that like my mind just looks at old architecture and goes, ah, so an assassin could easily get up that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Which you commented on my photos from Europe. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there were. That's one of the things I'm also trying to get better at because that is key to a lot of the things you want to do. Like navigation on multiple levels, that's a lot of what you want, want to get good at in Titanfall. One thing in particular I kept failing at was uh, at the end of each mission, you either win or lose, and the defeated team tries to retreat. Mm-hmm. They all rush back to their evacuation point, and you're tasked with killing them before they do, or blowing up their dropship. And when I was retreating, sometimes the evacuation point would be on top of the building. Yeah. And me, like, I'm trying to evacuate, but this building is, like, three stories high with no windows in it. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to get up there either. Buildings. It's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes you can, like, run sideways up them and jump to the corner. Mm-hmm. Hardcore, but hardcore. There's definitely better ways to do that. And now you yeah. Can, figure that out. can you do sort of like a Nintendo wall jump where there's two that are close together where you jump from one and then jump over to the other one and that gets you a little bit higher each time? Yeah, uh, yeah you can do that. It's easier Not when higher. you're wall running. Because yeah. then you can just boost off and actually get higher. But you can do little wall hangs, so that might be viable. Again, I'm not as good as I could be, so that might be a better strategy. Yeah. Hmm. But you can jump up two walls if they're close. Another thing that I've noticed uh, is that, I'll, you know, because the, the game emphasizes movement and, you know, being fast and everything, people don't look behind them. Oh, yeah. So it's like, all about speed. So, so I've ended up just, like, you know, running along... And then, like, I see an enemy turn a corner in front of me, and they, like, they never checked in the direction that I'm coming from, so I'm just running along behind them now, and I'm like, hello, kill them. (laughs) And then watch, there's someone else right behind you. Oh, yeah, that happened, yeah. (laughs) That's why it's nice being only 6v6. That's true. Yeah, they are relatively large. Like, if this were just 6v6, like, and that's it, these maps would be so empty and boring, and nothing would happen. Ah. Uh, but as it is, you know, yeah, there's a lot of action going on, especially when people start getting their titans, and you know, you can have several, several like people with titans, and you know, they might get out of the titans, and then you have a titan running around on its own, and you know, a player still there, and oh man, crazy. Hmm. Actually, I've um, the few times that uh, I. When I when I started getting my titans, you know, I I got killed in them a lot. So I decided that I was going to start just like you know dropping my titan and letting it roam around on its own, maybe following me, maybe not. I didn't really care, and I would just kind of let it kill people, and I would uh you know support it essentially. Yeah, that's um, a a pretty cool strategy. 
Did you did you gravitate towards that, or did you gravitate towards murdering some people by stepping on them? See, I I usually adopt more of a mixed approach. When I drop my Titan in, I have it either follow me to a pretty like dense location, or I have it guard, mm-hmm. and then I'll kind of camp out on the Titan because people are oh. attracted to Titans; they're big targets. Yeah, they're gonna try to jump on them. They're gonna try to do all sorts of stuff. So when people come, they don't only see this huge Titan. You can just be in the window, cloaked, and start shooting people, and then. Like, if other Titans start getting involved and it becomes a big firefight, and I'm probably not going to last very long just running around, I'll unload some anti-Titan weapons and then jump in my Titan and actually fight. Hmm, okay. I assume that you wouldn't do that if your Titan was taking damage. Oh, yeah, if it's actually fighting, then it's just free damage. But it's a good idea if you think you won't last very long outside of it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, So I didn't have a a whole lot of time to check out the different classes. Um, You know, I tried the... um, What's he called? Recon once, and then and then I tried the assassin. Uh, and I I kind of liked the assassin better because God, you don't even have to aim. I I love that pistol. <laughs> and the weird thing is, it's balanced because if you see someone head on, they're going to kill you first. That's true. It's so true. It happened to me a lot of times. <laughs> so it's a very good pistol for a recon or an infiltrator type character mm-hmm. when you're always coming from the back. Um, people yeah. turn corners and don't realize you're chasing them trying to get a lock. Precisely. That uh, Yes, that is what happened several times. Um, so yeah, we should probably explain exactly what we're talking about. So the the um, assassin class, their their main weapon is what's called the auto pistol or a smart pistol. Smart pistol, yeah. And uh, whenever there's you know somebody in kind of the the near the reticle area of the smart pistol, it'll try to lock onto them. Um, most, you know, the, the grunts and everybody, those, those guys just take like one hit to kill. So it'll just lock onto them pretty quickly. And it'll actually, like, if there's like four grunts in an area, you can just kind of hover over them and it'll lock onto all four. And then you can just click the button once and it'll kill all four of them. It's pretty slick. It, it is. Hacks. It just exudes overpowered, (laughs) but again, it's actually not overpowered. Yeah, it's not because players... It has to lock onto them like four or five times, like the, oh, three the times. Okay. Yeah. It just it has three little icons to show you that it is a player, which is kind of nice sometimes. Yeah, because having being able to distinguish between players and and enemy grunts easily is it's not always very, obvious. It's it's and it's an important thing to know. Um, but yeah, so it actually takes a lot longer to get a, a proper lock on a on a player than on the grunts. Um, so getting you know that just click the button and kill them uh, takes a while. Um, I ended up just kind of like spamming shooting a, bu- a bunch. Yeah, when... you don't have to lock up. You can just fire it like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like get one targeted shot off and just spam if you can do that at that range. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Don't worry about it. The recon. Rex. The recon class carries an assault rifle, so they're they're your kind of you know more standard Call of Duty ish FPS you know mm-hmm. character. Um, and all of the characters you know they have their primary weapon and their secondary weapon is just like a pistol, a regular pistol. And then they all carry uh, an anti-Titan weapon, uh, which is usually some sort of, you know, shoot something explosive or very, very large. Uh, yeah, the and two those... that have in the beta are the uh, lock-on rocket launcher mm-hmm. and the kind of rapid-fire mini-missile launcher. Yeah. Um, 
I prefer the mini missiles. I agree. They mobile. Pew pew pew. And it doesn't take nearly as long to shoot. Yeah. Um, I ended up actually carrying it around and killing other players with it a few times. Really? I I did yeah. it in a pinch, but I feel I feel it's very like it doesn't have good splash damage. Uh, it's not the best choice. Like it. Close. There were a couple of times when I was like encountering titans and I had it out and then I would like just run into a building and then see somebody and just go, oh hi, and blow them up. Yep. It was amusing. And it's worth noting that all the classes are like in Call of Duty. They're fully customized. Once you get to a certain level, you unlock your custom class slots and you get custom titan slots as well. And you can customize your titan with about the same number of things as you can do to your pilot. Yeah, um, so I, I never got a chance to check out any of the different Titan customizations. Uh, what are you finding in those? Well, they only have one model of Titan in the beta, the Atlas, which is your kind of standard all-around good fighter. And I find myself going with uh, the 40mm cannon, which is kind of like the carbine like artillery-type gun with a burst perk on it, so it has three-front burst. Oh, nice. And instead of the uh, vortex shield, which is the thing that like blocks bullets and shoots them back, I took Electric Smoke, which is great for getting pilots off of your Titan. Oh. Because people will always try to jump on you. At least I do. I'm crazy. I always jump on Titans. And I haven't figured out how to do that yet. You just run at them and jump. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's pretty automatic. But that smoke to perk can kill a, uh, kill a pilot that's trying to ride on your Titan. And I hate getting out of my Titan, because then someone just steps on me anyway. So that's <laughs> nice for that. And lock-on missiles, but... Yeah. See what else is uh, unique about the Titans? Oh, when the thing that I really like about this game is it's so dynamic. You have so many things you're allowed to do, and you can always do them for at almost any given time. Like for example, when I am jumping on the Titans, I can call my own Titan into the battle at the same time, <laughs> which is actually really useful to distract them from me trying to like shoot the Titan. What? Okay, so um, I I was on top of a Titan once, but I couldn't tell if it was like an allied Titan mm. or an enemy Titan. You uh, can ride your own. Cause yeah, cause I couldn't. It wasn't giving me any like button prompts on how to like shoot the Titan or you know open up its brain or whatever that thing. I think is. it is automatic. When you get on a Titan, you'll try to rip it open. Okay. Okay. Uh, in that case, I guess I was on an allied Titan because I, I my character was just kind of sitting there for a ride. <laughs> um. Yeah, oh man. And there's, there is nothing quite like, you know, calling in a Titan and just hearing that sound as it hits the ground. Especially if you hit someone with it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't managed to do that yet. I should, I, I want to look that up now and then play it through my speakers because I like my speaker system. <laughs> I have a subwoofer. <laughs> Be sure to put your feet on it. Always. That's actually how I usually sit is with my feet on the top of it. Or, Ian you could go and sign up for the beta and hopefully get into it in time for you to play it a little bit. When does it come out as a full game? It uh, March 11th. Is that right? March? Wow, that's coming yep. up fast. It's really close. Oh my god. This is going to be great. Ugh. Like Pre-order, 60 bucks. Yeah, I'm going to wait on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, let's see. So, Titanfall doesn't even have, like... Uh, you know, a distinguishment between campaign and multiplayer, right? There... I think there actually is, but it's the same game types. Like, you play multiplayer matches that are a little bit more tailored. Because I remember in the E3 okay. trailer, they had they started off with, like, a mission briefing. Like, a guy on Titan was telling you what to do. And that yeah. isn't in the beta. No. So, 
I'm sure you can play the multiplayer missions in a little bit more narrative way in a linear fashion. That's their story. Right, right. It's it's too late. Titanfall Beta, thanks for your interest in the beta. We've reached the maximum number of signups and can't accept any more at this time. We'll see you in March. Oh, Ian. That's too bad. It's okay. I have enough stuff to, to eat up my time with as is. I mean, like... True that. Schoolwork and girlfriend and... And jazz punk. Jazz punk, yes. Why don't you tell us about jazz punk? Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> uh, well, from what I can tell, that game is very different, to, difficult to categorize, so why don't you kind of give us the lowdown on what it is? I guess I'd call it a first-person comedy. It's not even really that much of a shooter or a puzzle game, um, though there are some puzzles. Uh so in jazz punk, you you play as this. Actually, I'm not sure if you're a human or a robot. In all honesty, because it's <laughs> change every single time I I I look at it. Um, and I guess that's one of the jokes. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the jokes. Um, and you get drugged, and whenever you get drugged, you go on these missions. Um, that's the only way to go on missions, right? Well, you don't even know how you get from point A to point B. You just find yourself on a mission. Ah. Sometimes you need to go on relaxation. <laughs> so, um, so it takes place in like during the Cold War. Is that correct? That's what it, it it feels like. I'm not sure if it really has any set time. Actually, um, judging by I guess the clothing styles. It would make sense that it was in the Cold War, but for the most part, there's not really any one time era that it's set in. Okay. Um, though, well, actually, I guess I can't say that. Your very first um, mission is to infiltrate the Russian embassy, though I don't think they call it the Russian embassy. Um, so the game has a very, very unique uh, visual style to it. Yes. Um, all the All the people are like these little... I don't know. I guess they're like what you would see on a on a bathroom door, kind of icons of what people look like. That's kind of what it looks like. I everything sort of looks like a big gingerbread house, huh? In some ways, just because the people are all sort of cutouts like that. There's no really any moving parts. I mean, you will have a hand that'll come out whenever you're pointing at something, or if you need to knock on a door, you'll have a fist that comes out, um, and that's actually put in as a gag. Uh, that gets recurring is that those are actually cardboard cutouts <laughs> with a stick at the end. Gosh, this is like in VeggieTales when you know whenever they make references to feet or hands because none of them have feet or hands. Mm-hmm. This is very much so like that. Um, I don't know. I, I guess my favorite part of the game was actually a lot of the little mini games that they borrowed from. So you know the game Quake. Sure. And the never the, really played it, but sure. But you know of it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> sorry, Sarah. Guys, <laughs> settle down. That's my job. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so there's uh, there's this game where you actually it's like cake. Wars or something like that, where it's a first-person shooter where you use different wedding-related things. So, like, one of the weapons is a champagne bottle where you pop the cork off. The cork flies. You have a 
wedding cake that doubles as machine gun, um, and you also have a rocket launcher that shoots roses out of it. <laughs> and so this whole thing is, and I mean, it, it has a lot of the um, overkill, true love sort of thing. So like the, the original <laughs> announcer voices, and it's, there's so many parodies in it. And it's it's really in many ways it's a very entertaining game, not because of the story, um, but just because it pokes fun at so many other things. Right. So if this isn't like obviously it's not a first person shooter, but you also said like it's not like a puzzle game. So what exactly do you do in the game? Uh, you're given an open world, well, kind of an open world. You are given a mission and a particular map. You are given goals, and you have to go along those goals, obviously, and go and um, do whatever. But there's also many side missions that you can go and complete before getting those um, goals. So sort of like an RPG in that sense. Um, however, everything is in first person. Mm-hmm. And there are some shooting-like things. Um, so like I said, with the, the Cake Wars... Um, there was that, or there was this time where you had to go and with, um, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but you, you, you shot like radio beams at pigeons, disabled pigeons, you got owed a pigeon, then you sprayed that all over the guy that gave you the mission in the first place, um, then he takes the pigeons, bakes a pie, bakes a pie out of them for you, then you slap it into his face and it's just, ow, it burns. It sounds so stupid. <laughs> it is in many ways. I mean, there were some amusing little gags here and there, but nothing absolutely incredibly game-changing when it comes to the the game and how amusing it was. Um, so, do the jokes that are in here are they like are they kid-appropriate jokes, or is this more of an adult game? They're most well. It's mostly kid-appropriate, in all honesty, like E10 or teen, but you have to be our age to get all the references that they make. Right, right. Um, so, also, what the heck was that? I'm not sure. It just told us that the next meeting is happening in five minutes, but I don't know what meetings it's talking about. Neither <laughs> do I. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, like, one of the, one of the references... Um, I know what it's talking about. Hmm. We have... An event on our calendar is called Borderlands 2 at 11 o'clock every single day, every single Sunday. And it just popped up with that to tell me that I need to play Borderlands 2 with you in five minutes. Well, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. No, probably not. <laughs> um, but like, so one of the uh, one of the jokes, one of the references. Um, okay, there's two. There's one where there's you're infiltrating, or you're getting some sort of stomach from a guy. I don't remember exactly what, but you need to get this guy's stomach. And so what you do is, he's at the sushi bar that he absolutely loves. You take um, a puffer fish after knocking out, no, after throwing a bunch of spiders on the um, guard to the kitchen, you take a puffer fish and then spray its insides all over one of the plates and then he picks up the plate, eats it, and then pukes multicolored puke everywhere all over the inside of the women's bathroom. Um, and then you go and pick up his stomach because he literally puked his guts out. Okay, so it sounds like all of the the stuff that you do in this world is just like kind of throwing things in the environment together and seeing what happens. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. And I mean, sometimes it's very scripted. So like the last level, everything that you do is pretty much one after the other after one after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's actually one of the other reference. That's one of the big references that you have to be our age for in order to understand. Like there was this one point in time when um, did you remember those? There were like there was a speedboat race or like a jet ski racing game for the Nintendo sixty four. Uh, nope. No. Um, it was decently big. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they had they had a parody of that by doing like Gravy Boat sixty four, where you raced gravy boats in a river of gravy. Boy, that sounds difficult and fast paced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and or oh oh um I don't remember exactly what they're called. Do you remember those sort of like the Nintendo virtual reality headset games that came back out back in the eighties? Uh yeah, we make fun of them sometimes. Yeah. It had you played with one of those. You played tennis <laughs> with one of those. Now if you were playing Jazz Punk on an Oculus Rift, playing on a virtual boy, that would be really meta. Oh boy. <laughs> so, what would you say is a uh, a reasonable price for this game? Let's wait till it was maybe ten bucks. Okay. Um, there was only really two or three hours of gameplay. If you're going through and doing everything, maybe four, um, but not much. And though I have thirteen hours logged, that was because I had left my computer up to go and take care of something. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, obviously this game is only for people who really, you know, have a, a sense of humor that aligns with the game's sense of humor. Yes. So I guess I guess you should probably make sure that that is the case before buying this game. Yes. Because otherwise it sounds like there's not really going to be much to do in it. No. Nope. In fact, I've only got seven achievements left to get, and I'm pretty sure I know how to get all of them. <laughs> do it, it up. I will take very long so... So this week uh, I played the Wolf Among Us episode two, Smoke and Mirrors. Um, as so, do you remember how long ago it was that I reviewed episode one? It was like four months ago. Jeez. Yeah, I, I thought that they were going to be coming out with like you know these episodes on a monthly basis, but turns out uh, it took them four months to make the second episode. And um, yeah, I mean. It was it was a pretty good episode. Um, it it differed from the original a little uh, in a few ways. For example, um, there you know there was hardly any combat. There weren't really any fights in this second episode. Um, and I think that may have to do with the fact that I was you know putting a lot of effort into being nice to people and not provoking them. Um, and the other thing that I found a little odd about it was that there wasn't really, you know, any, like, huge story things going on in this episode. It was mostly, like, looking, you know, trying to figure out what had happened during the first episode. Uh, you know, piecing together clues and interrogating people and trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, mm. And so a lot of the choices... Actually, yeah, so the, the choices were pretty important because um, in... The first episode, they had several, like, completely binary choices where they would, like, pause the game, essentially, and say, okay, you gotta decide if you're gonna go after this guy or after this guy. And, you know, it, it really, like, brings you out of the experience and, uh, um, you know, just it, it makes it clear that you're making this choice as a player of a game. 
Um, but in episode two, all of the choices that I was making were like, how far am I willing to go in order to get this piece of information out of a person? Um, which was a pretty hard decision for me because I was playing Big B as, you know, somebody who was trying to reconcile himself, uh, you know, who was trying to, uh, get everybody to like him a bit more because nobody really trusts him. Um, so, you know, when, when, you know, confronted with the decision of either like, you know, beating the crap out of this guy in order to get information from him or just intimidating him until he, you know, told me what I wanted to know. It was it was really hard to to restrain myself, especially since the guy was pissing me off a lot. Um, um so episode two kind of it, it sets up a lot of stuff for the rest of the series. Um and it actually leaves us on a cliffhanger where they like they reveal, you know, what happened in the in the first episode. And it was kind of a shocker, um, and I'm I can't wait until the next episode comes out. Um, I hope it's not another like four months. That would <laughs> suck. Um, Watch it be. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really that mad that it took them four months because in the meantime, you know, we had the holiday season and Assassin's Creed Four happened, so um, my time was occupied. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe that's why they chose to delay it. Well, uh, I mean, it's not like they're really competing, you know, with other people for, uh, you know, people buying the game, because if you bought the game, then you have access to all five episodes, and, you know, you just get them as they come out. That's um, true, but if they release it in the middle of the dry spell, then you'll appreciate it that much more, and they'll actually get more people playing the game instead of being distracted by stuff like Assassin's Creed. Right, right. That's a good point. Um yeah. Even if they've already bought the game, they can get the people who already own it to play it more and hopefully get some more acclaim and get word of mouth going a little bit more. And, hey, this game was really cool. I just had a chance to play it. You should wow. go pick it up. Word of mouth. Speaking of, what are we here for? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, Hanging out? Doing the same thing that we did yesterday. Something like that. Am I Am I quoting that right? That's what are we going to do tonight, Brian? Oh my god. The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. I'm assuming that's what you were referring to. No, I was actually trying to do the song that had the theme song for that 70s show. Oh. Hanging out, something, something, I don't know. Hanging I don't watch that show. Down the street. I don't remember that. Max, did you ever watch that show? I think you're trying to talk, but you don't seem to be making noise. Eh. <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, reaction to it. <laughs> all right, so that was um, that's all we got for this week. Um, there aren't really any huge releases this next week, um, so I'll probably try to catch up on The Walking Dead because uh, I need to finish the first season and then play the first episode of season two. Uh, I need to play it. Period. Yeah, I know you do. Um, Something I thought maybe to do was to play it with Sarah. Maybe both make the decisions together. That might make that might be. I hope that doesn't dilute the experience though, because in some ways, like you know, the the decisions are pretty. You have to make them pretty quick, you know. And um, if you have, you know, if you're discussing it with somebody else, then it definitely takes you out of the game more than you know sitting there by yourself. Um, True, but we kind of think along the same brain. Brain wavelength nowadays. So, I accidentally uh, sort of gave Sonia some spoilers for The Walking Dead because oh. her roommate has played it, and we were talking about it, and uh, 
then I suddenly realized that Sonia was in the room and that I had gotten her The Walking Dead for Christmas. And I was like, ah, you forgot everything that you just heard. Oopsie daisy. <laughs> the only spoiler, if you want to call it, that I remember was when you had the one guy stuck in the bear trap and you had to choose whether to try and open up the bear trap or chop off his leg. Yeah, and that's that's not a huge like plotline spoiler. That's just kind of a um, quick a time of any time. Yeah, yeah. That's all I was using for. So. Uh, so thanks for joining us, everybody. Be sure to tune in next week for whatever the future brings us. This is Ian Buck. And I'm Ian Decker. And the silent one is Max Marty because he can't make any sounds. Signing off. Uh, mail service is great. Ha! Mail service, it even sounds dirty. Yeah, it does. Separate external battery pack. How about no? Just, just a little roaring. How about no? Just, just in the biker's office. How about little... no? Oh, I won't even hit the pop filter. Here's what I would say to that. It could, that could easily be the, you know, and now with more, pretty much, I guess. Turns out. Oh, cute, we have a person who is their first time. Oh.